very sweet. So um, we're going to be in the book of Mark again. We're hanging out in Mark. We're on the journey. Now, now I don't know. Have you ever felt like you've made it? Now, the only time I felt like I made it, when I was a kid and we were flying, like we lived in India, and so you'd get on an aeroplane and fly here and there and all that kind of stuff. You know, you ever got that stage where you know you've made it when you arrive at the international arrivals and there are guys with signs with your name on it? Come on, let's just be honest. This is a safe place. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, I needed to say this because I forget every week. Um, Cafe Church, we're just so glad that you're here with us. Uh, Everyone turn around, look at the camera, say, hey, all right, hey, brilliant, fabulous. I'll forget it every week, I'm shocking. Anyway, so it's true, isn't it? if If you arrive and the guy or the girl is there with your name on the sign, you're like, yeah, I made it. It's only ever happened to me a couple of times. But it's cool, you know. So I, I saw this on the, on on the on interweb. Have a look at this. I wonder who they're waiting for. <laughs> Luke, you are my father. No, I got that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> just checking, just checking. Who are they waiting? Who are they waiting for? I think there's a. I think Vader. Is there, is it not? No, that's okay. Anyway, so, arrival. So listen, today we're going to be looking a little bit at a passage when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. We're slightly out of sync with the church sort of diary, you know. This is normally happening on the run-up to Easter, but I'm sure you guys will hang with it, won't you? Alright, should we open up Mark chapter 11, and we're going through from 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethsage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there said, Hmm, what's occurring? Just checking. What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Such a well-known moment, isn't it? Such a well-known passage. Jesus arriving, coming into Jerusalem. And lots of things are going on in this passage, aren't they? You know, we could this morning, you know, look at how Jesus goes before the disciples and organizes things. Do you see that there? He's already pre-organized some stuff. All they have to do is be obedient. 
Isn't that the case for you and me? Jesus is already organized. He's pre-planned a whole load of things for you and me to do. And when we're obedient to him, by the Holy Spirit, he, he has already got some things organized, some people to connect with. He has a plan and a mission. And when he says go, he's already at work in the world. We just need to go and do it. You can see that here. The donkey was already ready. Conversations were, had already been had. And so the disciples go and they find, isn't that the case? When Jesus whispers in our studies or in our little Bible studies or in our small groups or uh, when we're on our knees, you know, I don't know, when you have a quiet time in the kitchen before the kids wake up. That would be pretty early for some of you. That's real dedication, by the way. Uh, You know, I don't know when it is when God can sometimes whisper things to you and you're like, oh, I've got to take a risk now. I've got to go do it. Is is it going to happen the way that you said? And then isn't it the case often when we're obedient? You find out. It's just as he said. And we see this, don't we? All the way through the Bible. In the Old Testament and in the New. God goes before his people. We see it in the book of Acts especially. You know, the book of Acts, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, pushing the church into and across the whole of the Roman Empire, often in Paul's ministry. He found that God would speak to him, and then when he obeyed, things were already planned and things were already happening. We won't find out unless we respond to what God is saying. That's why we're doing the pursue thing, guys. We want to hear God in the quiet place and be obedient to him. And find out that as we are obedient, he comes good on his word. Hey, that would be a great preach, wouldn't it? We could do that. But we're not. So, that, you know, we find out that Jesus goes before us. What a picture here. The king of kings coming to Jerusalem. The great power base that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He comes in. What a, what a picture of humility. Jesus is the ultimate picture of humility in this moment. Coming, not riding on a stallion that the kings would do. You know, pulling behind them their captives. You could imagine, you know, the word perusia means the coming of the king. And in, in this context, often when a king came back from war, he'd bring in, wouldn't he, you know, his, his captives. And he'd be there sort of triumphant and doing his thing and and showing the world how powerful he is or she is. Jesus does the absolute reverse. He comes on a mule, on a donkey. We could preach on this, couldn't we? We could preach on how do we overcome and overthrow authority that's not good? And how do we push back the power of darkness? Do we do it with force? No, we do it as Jesus does it. We come with humility into our workplaces, into our families, into situations where there is tension. We come with humility first and foremost because God laces humility with power. We could preach on that. That'd be a good preach, wouldn't it? Come on. Listen, guys. I feel like we need some, you know, you know, uh, we need some feedback. Preach it. There you go. It'd be a good preach, I reckon. And then maybe another picture is that, you know, here is Jesus coming in. 
and it causes the crowds to bow down and worship. They receive him as royalty. Son of David! Wait, we heard that last week here, didn't we? Blind Bartimaeus, had, he, he knew. He was like, I'm convinced this is the son of David. And now here he is coming on a donkey, fulfilling prophecies out of Zechariah and 1 Kings. When David sits Solomon on his own donkey and sends him to be anointed the next king of Israel. You see, all these guys know this stuff. They're like, here comes the son of David. And what does it do? The response in them is to take off their cloaks, those precious cloaks, and to throw them and lay them down on the ground and allow Jesus on a donkey to come walking over. we got a picture of what worship is. Come on. That'd be a good preach, wouldn't it? That'd be a good preach. We could go all sorts of places there, couldn't we? When Jesus is here, and he is here by his Spirit, what are we laying down? It's moments in our little worship moment. Do you guys operate like me? I'm like, Lord, you're here. And yet there's a tinge. Even after 25 plus years of being a Christian, if I kneel, what will people think? If I lie down right in front of everybody. It's not about the crowd. It's about me honoring you, Holy One. Guys, we want to foster a, a, a culture in this church of encouragement. We've been talking about that. Of servant leadership and of worship. Can we just say, from today, let's not worry about what anyone else thinks. Can we do that? Because I think that ushers in something of God's kingdom in a fresh and new way. When we say, hey Lord, it's all yours. It's yours. I'm here. You can have me. Something happens. Jesus, in Jesus' coming, we see a great picture of worship and surrender. And we, he is treated as royalty. He doesn't get the leftovers. He gets the full cloak treatment. I love it. And I'm challenged by it. And that was a good preach, isn't it? Be a good preach, that one. But not today. These are all pretty good things to talk about, I reckon. Victoria and I laugh because she says, oh, what are you preaching on? I've got about six things. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't do all of them. You know, as I went back and I've read this passage again and again, I've been living in it. You know what grabs me? is the conversations that must have happened off script. I want to preach today about the invisible stuff that's incredibly visible. Or the visible stuff that is actually pretty invisible. And what do I mean by that? There are some people in this story that play a very significant role, but they get like, they're barely mentioned. It's the owners of the donkey. Because not a lot's happening without the donkey. You see, when you read this passage, it is, and most of the commentators would agree, when you put the Gospels together, Jesus has probably been at Bethany for about a week. He's gearing up for this moment. And at some point while he's there, he has had a conversation with the owner of this donkey. 
Now, I know I'm preaching between the lines here, but just go with me, all right? Because most of the commentators don't think that this was some kind of supernatural moment where he walks, the guys come to the village and it's like, oh, we can use your donkey. You know? Sort of a, what's it when in Star Wars when they do, you know, the mind control thing, you know, with the droids? Well, how does it go? The Jedi mind factor. It's not that, most of the commentators, and I agree with them, it's not, that's not what's going on here. The likelihood is Jesus, while he's been having dinner at Lazarus' house or whatever, the guys are there, he's had a conversation with them and he said something like this, hey, at some point can I borrow your donkey? You know that one that sits outside that nobody else has ridden? At some point in the next week, can I borrow it? And, it's, and in that conversation, the likelihood is this, the owner has said, you can use my donkey anytime. I mean, there is definitely a Shrek quote coming, isn't there? I mean, come on. you never seen a donkey fly. But you can use my donkey any time. What I have, Jesus, is yours. What I have is yours. When it's time, just pop round. Untie him, he's yours. And so when the boys are sent, go into the village and get the donkey. And they rock up. They go straight over the donkey. They don't ask, do they? You notice that? They're untying the donkey. And we don't know if it's the owners, but it's certainly people around. They're saying, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing there? They're like, hey, the master needs it. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? The Lord needs it. And they're like, fine, take him. You see, these people play a significant role. They're kind of off script. But they've said to Jesus, you can take my donkey anytime. And so they're in the story... And it happens because of that conversation, because of that agreement. Jesus, you can use my donkey. And there are loads of people all throughout the Bible that get two lines in, these, in the stories of God's kingdom moving forward. There are often just throwaway comments where suddenly if those throwaway comment people, if they didn't do what they said they were going to do, then whole chunks of the Bible probably wouldn't have happened. Actually, don't get me wrong. God is sovereign, eh? He's got a plan. They would have missed out, though. He'd have used somebody else. You can use my donkey anytime. And because of that, because of that decision... They play a part in seeing Jesus, Savior of the world, coming into Jerusalem. They play a role in the crowds crying, Hosanna, save us, Lord, you're the king. They play a role because they've agreed. You can use my donkey any time. <laughs> I don't know if you know who... Shipra and Pua are. Unfortunate name. 
it probably means something amazing in Hebrew. Do you know who they are? They're, they're, they're two ladies that said to God, not you can use my donkey anytime, but Lord, you can use my position anytime. Because these two women were midwives. And the great Exodus story and the incredible story of Moses' birth may never have happened if these two women hadn't said, hey, you can use my position anytime. Because you see, the Pharaoh had said, listen, the, this, the Israelite population is growing literally arms and legs. And I can't have that. So the Pharaoh had issued a decree, a terrible decree. We need to stop the growth of this nation. And so let's, when the babies are born, we're going to remove the boys and kill the boys and let the girls live. That's horrible. They get two lines in Exodus. And it says, but these two women didn't do that. They saved the boys. They preserved the boys at great risk. When God came to them and touched their hearts, they were like, oh, you can use my donkey anytime. You can use my position anytime for your kingdom and for your glory. They started a freedom movement through seeing the birth of Moses, seeing him preserved. It's amazing, isn't it? I've been thinking about that. And I've been thinking about us. Maybe some of us here today, you've got a career. You're a manager. You're a bus driver, a sparky, a fitter, instructor. Maybe you're a mum. Maybe you're a nanny. Maybe you are a midwife. And maybe you went into your career, into your job, and you had a conversation with Jesus back then. Lord, if you give me this job, it's yours. Hey, when you come to our village, you can borrow my donkey anytime. You have had that conversation at some point in life. What is mine is yours. For these two women, God came and they said, yes. What is mine is yours. Use me, Lord. Take what I've got. They hardly feature in the story. But their little decision made all the difference. For us, I'm just going to throw out the challenge. I guarantee, actually, for some of us, we had that conversation. When, Lord, you can use my donkey anytime. What is mine is yours. The master needs it. And so they released it. Loads of others who used their position, who surrendered their position, the Mordecais of this world, the Daniels, the Shadrach, Meshachs, and off the bed we goes. You know, these guys, they said, Lord, you can use it anytime. And maybe it's less about position, but maybe it's more about what we have. You know, think about that amazing little story where Jesus thought he was going to get some R&R 
And he takes his lads, his friends away with him into the wilderness. And as he gets off a boat, he's got thousands and thousands of people who should have been in the European Championships because they've legged it round, you know, and beaten them uh, to, to where they were going. And there they are. And so as they get off the boat, he's got a crowd of people. And so then he teaches them. I think in one, one of the gods, three days worth. And they're hungry. They're hungry. And a little boy comes, eh? Because they say, hey, we need some food. What have we got? Little boy comes with some loaves and a couple of fish. You can use my dinner, Lord, any time. You can use my dinner. You can use my lunch, Lord. You can take what I've got. You can use it. It's here, Lord, for you, Lord. You can use my donkey any time. <laughs> you see where we're going? I'm just going to repeat this and repeat it and repeat it. And the great thing is, you know, he takes just this little stuff that's offered to him. And it is multiplied to probably feed 25,000 people. I love that story. He gets a line. A little boy brought a packed lunch. But we tell this story... You know, probably weakening and out across the world for generations and generations. And he played a little role in Jesus teaching the disciples and the crowd a remarkable truth. He played a part. You can use my dinner anytime. Hey, what are we doing with our dinners, our lunch times? What are we doing? When Jesus comes to town and he says, oh, it's time. Are we saying you can use my dinner, my lunch, my hospitality anytime you want for your kingdom, for your glory? I want to move you on, Lord, to your destination, to what you want to do, not only in my life, but in my community, in my workplaces. Do some of us just sit and find a corner at work because we need some space? Yeah? We probably do. Little boy didn't. He went, Lord, what I've got is yours. I want to encourage you. You do not know where that will land. You do not know what God will do when you say, hey, let me have your lunch once a week. When you invite other people to share your sandwich, when you buy somebody else at work the lunch, you don't know where that's going to go. But you could play a part in seeing some stuff happen. You can use my donkey anytime. (laughs) Love it. Oh, brilliant. What about in Acts? We're introduced to a guy called Joseph. His name's Barnabas, actually. Do you know why? Because he comes and he brings a field. He says, what I've got, I might not have a donkey, but I've got a field. He gives his inheritance. It's been sitting there and waiting. It's been waiting It's been waiting for God to come along and say, hey, I could use that. I could use that field, uh, Joseph. And Joseph, maybe Joseph had a conversation with the Lord in some shape or form by the Holy Spirit. Lord, whatever I've got is yours. Can I have the field? And he sells his field. That's not a little thing. Some would say he's selling his inheritance. Wow. And he brings it to the disciples. And the likelihood is they use that to feed the poor, to extend the kingdom, 
to be good news and to speak good news to the world. You can use my field, Lord. You can use my savings account. You can use it. Because I want to be a part of a story that elevates you. And it causes the crowd to bow down and worship. And if I can play a part in that, I want in. See what's going on here? Oh, nearly there. Oh. Fields. What about homes? They're precious, aren't they? More precious than a donkey, if we're really honest. about that character we're probably going to meet but not really meet in a few weeks time in Mark chapter 14 because Jesus has had another conversation with another person at another time and they've agreed Jesus you can use my house anytime you see we're heading towards the cross in this journey and we're heading towards a supper in fact we celebrated it last week with communion didn't we it's just, you know, and somebody somewhere had a conversation with Jesus and said, Hey, you can use my house anytime. My door's open, Jesus. And for some of us in this room, I guarantee we've had that conversation. Lord, what is mine is yours. You can use my house anytime. The deal is this, though. I wonder. I wonder when that guy said to Jesus, you can use my house anytime. When you come to Jerusalem, in fact, I want you to come and stay with me. I want you to come and be with me. I wonder if suddenly that promise was under a little bit of tension. Because now Jesus is a wanted man. Because now, when you look around the streets of Jerusalem, there are little posters up saying, wanted. You see, Jesus was very popular at some points. And then this, we're heading into a moment where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and their soldiers were out to get him. So suddenly a promise that was said over here is now under tension, isn't it? Because now there's more at risk. Lord, you can use my donkey anytime. Lord, you can use my, my house and my family and, 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 and my property however you want, whenever you want. Just come round. And now suddenly the heat is on. And it's like, I made a promise. And the risk is up there. And it's like, Lord, these guys still did it. Can you imagine? Jesus used my room in my house. He gathered those disciples together. It was going to be the last meal. I didn't know that. It's there in my living room. He broke bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And there he is pouring out wine and he's saying, this is my my blood shed for the world. A whole new beginning is happening. It's happening in my living room. Oh, that's a privilege, isn't it? And not only is that a story that we tell, you know, month in, week in, across the world on Sundays. It's an act that goes live every Sunday. Played a role in that. I took a risk. Because Lord, you can use my donkey anytime. You can use my house anytime. I want to be a part of this kingdom journey. I want to be a part of it. He took a risk and said, yes, Jesus, come to my room, my house. I'll have it prepared. Was he in the room at the time? I don't know, but I like to think he would be. (laughs) Wouldn't you? 
<laughs> I took a risk. I'm watching, you know. See, he wouldn't, none of this would have happened without that agreement and saying, I'm in. We could go on and on about houses. Lydia, Acts chapter 16, first house church in Europe. She comes to faith. First thing she does is say, come, let's meet in our house. Can you imagine that? My house, first church in Europe. I wonder where she'll be in heaven. (laughs) Oh, it's so sweet. Lord, you can use my donkey anytime. And now I'm going to land. Because you know, I know a guy. I know a guy who has prayed that prayer because donkey is transport, isn't it? I know a man who came to faith through his wife. And together they just have this terrific heart for young people, whether in primary school or secondary school. This couple have lived outside of Aberdeen, probably about 30 miles away. Can I just say, and I know them personally, and I know some of you know who these people are. But for 25, 30 years, they have said, Lord, you can use my donkey anytime. And they have packed their car, often a seven-seater, with young people. And week in and week out, they have brought young people from their village or from the surrounding area. They do the pickup, you know. And they load up their seven-seater with young people. And they've brought them to what was Mezzo and is now Encounter. They take them to Imagine. They go the extra mile when the kids need to be taken elsewhere. These people for 25 years have driven a 60-mile round trip on a weekly basis. You start doing the math. Lord, you can use my donkey anytime. They've done 60, over 60, between 60 and 70,000 miles alone just doing that, and it's cost them 30,000 pounds. These are all conservative figures because I'm, I, I kind of know the kind of stuff they've done. You can use my donkey any time. It's not about that. For him and his wife, when I chat to them, they're like, they get so excited. They get excited that, I mean, he quite likes to drive, so that's all right, isn't it? That's a good thing. (laughs) You know what he says? I love listening to the anticipation of young people driving to a youth event, to a PowerPoint. Hey, I wonder what's going to happen tonight. I wonder what God's going to do. Hey, what's it going to be like? Oh, and then on the way home, it's like peeling them off the ceiling. He gets first dibs on hearing how God is changing lives in these young people. Has every single one of them come to faith? No. Let me tell you, these guys said, you can use my donkey, and they have sown. And there are literally hundreds of young people in this region because this man said, I'm in. When you come to my village, you can use my donkey anytime. Guys, Jesus is coming to us. And here's the thing. He's coming and he's beginning to untie the colt. And, he's go- and some of us are going, what are you doing? What's occurring here? 
And the Holy Spirit is coming to your position. He's coming to your house. He's coming to your wallets. He's coming to your savings. He's coming to your family. And he's beginning to untie them for the kingdom. And you've got to make a decision as to what are you going to do. Because back in the day you said, Lord, when you come, you you can have. So we we have a moment now. And the moment is this. Do you know the thing about the donkey? Never been ridden before. Jesus gets first dibs. You see that? Jesus is the first person to sit on this donkey and ride into Jerusalem. This is an untried, untested animal and Jesus loves it. He's chosen it. He's picked it out. He said, that one's for me. And I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to be number one. Is he number one? I'm Leslie. I, listen, I, am, I might be preaching like this to you, but if there's a big mirror there, I'm preaching back. Is he number one? Does he have use of my stuff, my position, my place, my neighborhood? You know, all of that stuff. You can use my donkey anytime. Help me, Lord. The colt was tied up. Notice that? It needed to be released. Some of us have got tied up with our careers, with what we do, and Jesus wants to come and just take a hold of the string and begin to untie. Why? Because life is not just about career building. If you love and follow Jesus, it's about building the kingdom and your career is a part of it. Often the career is the donkey. And Jesus wants to sit on it and be a part of it. So that others go, oh wow, I'm going to take my cloak off and join in. Why don't we stand? This is where we get really serious. We know what? We don't do that. Listen, I know this. Holy Spirit speaking to a bunch of people this morning. I can see it in your faces. (laughs) You're challenged. And you're actually quite excited. I can see excitement. Lord. Lord, you can. And I want you to have it. I want to give you my donkey again. So we're going to sing. And if that's where you're at today, we don't do this that often, I think there's a physical response. I think you need to get untied. And uh, it might mean just to leave your seat, loads of space down here, and just in your heart today, and I'm going to come and join you because I'm there. You might want to just go, today, Lord, you've reminded me. I had that conversation 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. You're calling me in on it, and I I want in. And maybe that's you today. And I just love you. Just say, okay, Lord, I'm surrendering afresh. I'm excited about what you want want to do in and through me. And so maybe you want to come. We're going to all just come. Well, anyone who wants to, you know, because we don't force anybody to do anything.
can't. Just come and stand at the front. And in your heart, you do business with the Lord. And if you would like someone to pray with you, we're going to do that as well. We want to stand with you. We will just ask the Spirit of God to seal in what he's already saying this morning. Is that all right?